great to be sharing with you tonight. Uh, part of my role here at the church is I get to spend a fair bit of time with the kids that come here at this church. We do a Friday night kids program. We do a Sunday program. Um, and I am constantly uh, amazed with how intelligent children are. If you don't spend much time with children, if you don't have children, there's probably a lot of you that don't, um, you probably don't realise how smart they are. I remember once I was chatting to my younger cousin uh, and he was five at the time and he said to me, you know something that annoys me, Ty? And I said, what is it? He said, sometimes adults treat me like I'm a little kid. I don't get it. <laughs> and I remember thinking to him, yeah, mate, that is tough. That's hard. But... That same cousin, um, we, I get to hang out with him fairly regularly, which is very cool. Um, I've got quite a few younger cousins who I love. And uh, a game that I really like at the moment, I wouldn't say I'm addicted, but I really like it, is Monopoly Deal. Um, it's a very fun game. And it's pretty crazy that my six-year-old cousin, um, as much as I play it, he can still beat me. And like, it got to a point where we, we played our first game and I remember he beat me in it and I was I was honestly like frustrated, but I couldn't get frustrated at my six-year-old cousin. <laughs> so then we played again and he just continued to beat me. And I still don't understand that, to be honest. But um, all that to say, children are very intelligent. And we're looking at a story in the Bible today, and it's actually the story of King Josiah. And King Josiah became king when he was eight years old. It's incredible. And Josiah, King Josiah was um, named as one of the greatest kings and as we look at it, um, I, want, I want to remind any of you tonight that no one is too young. Um, that's, yeah, we read that in this story so clear. Uh, but there's, there's so much in this story. But j just to give you a bit of context, before King Josiah became king and the many years that followed and how he looked to God, um, many of the kings before him were very, very wicked. Um, and they um, did not focus on God and they did not obey God. And it actually caused the nation to fall into sin and to not follow after God. And when King Josiah becomes king, he decides that he wants to follow after David's example rather than the kings before him. And in this process of deciding to follow God, um, he, it says in scripture that he didn't look to the right or to the left. He kept kept his eyes on God. And one of the things that he uh, wanted to happen was for the temple to be repaired. And in the process of the temple being repaired, um, they actually found the law of God. And that's where we're just about to pick up in Scripture, but I just wanted to let you know of the context there. So they've just found the law of God. So we're going to be reading in Second Chronicles chapter 34, and we're going to start in verse 19. It's going to come up on the screen. When the king heard the words of the law, he tore his robes. He gave these orders to a lot of people with special names, which I don't need to mention, it's all good. I'll just say what he said. He said, go and inquire of the Lord for me and for the remnant in Israel and Judah about what is written in this book that has been found. Great is the Lord's anger that is poured out on us because those who have gone before us have not kept the word of the Lord. They have not acted in accordance with all that is written in this book. So he takes it pretty seriously. Then we go to verse 29 to 33. Then the king called together all the elders of Judah and Jerusalem. He went up to the temple of the Lord with the people of Judah, the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the priests and the Levites, all the people from the least to the greatest. He read in their hearing all the words of the book of the covenant, which had been found in the temple of the Lord. 
the king stood by the pillar and renewed the covenant in the presence of the Lord to follow the Lord and keep his commands, statutes, statutes and decrees with all his heart and all his soul and to obey the words of the covenant written in the book. Then he had everyone in Jerusalem and Benjamin pledge themselves to it. The people of Jerusalem did this in accordance with the covenant of God, the God of their ancestors. Josiah removed all the detestable idols from all the territory belonging to the Israelites. And he had all who were present in Israel serve the Lord their God. As long as he lived, they did not fail to follow the Lord, the God of their ancestors. It's incredible. What a revival. They found the word of God and they followed it. Let me pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the word that you have for us tonight. God, I'm so aware that you are going to speak to us tonight as a church, as a family, as a community of believers, but you're also going to speak to us individually. So I pray that you would speak to us now. In your name we pray. Amen. Um, Tonight's message is pretty simple. I could really summarize it right now and be finished in one sentence. Tonight we are looking at the power of the Word of God and that the Word of God is so powerful and we have the opportunity to follow the Word of God. I want to share a verse in Hebrews 4.12. It talks about the Word of God. And I just want to clarify too, when I'm talking about the Word of God, I mean the Bible. For the Word of God, this is in Hebrews, for the Word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. So part of why Josiah was, as they say, one of the greatest kings. It's, it's pretty simple. He found the Word of God, he listened to it, and he acted upon it. And as we see there, and as I just read in Hebrews, the Word of God, the Bible is so powerful. But I think something that is so important is we cannot just read the Bible like it is any other book. The Bible is the Word of God. The Word is God. So it means that the Bible is not just simply telling us stories. It's not just an information source. We're not just simply reading a book. The Bible reveals Jesus and points us to Jesus Christ. And as I'm saying, it's it's not about just reading a book. It is actually about following Jesus to draw closer to Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And that means that when we read the Word of God, we, we follow it with our actions. Matthew 7 makes this very clear. Matthew 7, verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. We can't just know God or the Bible in some sort of knowledge way. In some way of just thinking of it as this book and just thinking, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna read it and I'm gonna understand it and I'm just gonna know it in this high up way. But it's actually talking about, and it says this, and I'm just about to read it as it's in the gospel and as Jesus says it, but we are to follow and love God with all our heart, our mind, and our soul. And the disciples asked Jesus this question in Matthew 22, verse 36. Jesus, they said, teacher, 
which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and prophets hang on these two commandments. So we have the word of God and we have the opportunity to follow it. We see, it's so clear what happened when Josiah read it. The whole nation turned and followed God, but Josiah first decided to follow God. And I wanna read in James 1, talking about this same thing of not just reading for the sake of reading, but following. It's in the New Testament, we read it in James chapter 1, verse 22. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourself. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. So it's talking about this, the fact of action, about doing. Jesus calls us and we have this opportunity to follow him. And I love it because going on from these verses in James, it straight away calls us to action. It straight away shows that our faith in Jesus, deciding to follow Jesus, changes our life. It says in verse 26 and 27, those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongue deceives themselves and their religion is worthless. It's talking about the fact that when we know Jesus and follow Jesus, it changes us. If we were just reading a book for the sake of a book, which a lot of you are probably reading at the moment, it probably doesn't change you. It doesn't change what you do, what you think, what you say, but the Word of God. This is why we can't look at it like any other book because it's the Word of God and it points us to Jesus. That means it changes us. If we decide to follow and obey the Word, It goes on to say, religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Our faith in Jesus directs the way we live. As we we read before with Josiah, he heard the word of God, he listened to it and he obeyed. I want us right now though to really think about our own personal life. In these times, sometimes when we hear sermons or uh, we have a time of reflection, it can be very easy um, in it to think about the person beside you or to think about your partner or your husband or your wife or your children or your friend or to think about where they're at and to think, oh, I think this is what they're thinking. But I really encourage you right now to really think about yourself personally. Don't worry about anyone else. Just focus on yourself. And I want us to think about our own life. If we're a Christian, that means that we are actually following a person and that person is Jesus Christ. It means that we're not simply just reading a book for the sake of reading a book. It means that we are reading the Word of God and that we are following someone. We are following a person. That person is Jesus Christ, the Son of God. So it's like this difference between reading a book and just being like, okay, I need to do all these things. I need to focus on this. I need to just understand it and know it. 
And then this difference of, well, this word, the word, the Bible points us to Jesus Christ and I wanna follow Jesus. And the difference there is that following Jesus is this beautiful relationship. So it means that we're not simply reading a textbook or an instruction manual of reading this thing and saying, okay, great, that's now how I have to live. I'm just gonna go and do it. The word points us to Jesus and we keep our eyes on Jesus. I think sometimes when we read the word of God and I can, I've been so guilty of this, we might read the Bible and you know, if we're reading it in a connect group or with other people, we can say things like, whoa, that's a, that's a hard word. Or man, that is hard hitting. Or imagine having, oh, that's tough. And then kind of, it's like this laughing of like, oh yeah, like that's crazy. Imagine. And then you just go on to anything else. And like, I, I, I've been so guilty of that. But it's actually God calling us to say, I want you to follow me. And yes, it does seem radical. And sometimes it is life-changing, but then it's to reflect on that and go, well, what does that mean? Because I'm not just following a book to say, okay, great, I've done that now. It's no, 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 I'm, I'm following Jesus. I want us to look back at Josiah. What did he do when he found the law of God? The first thing he did was he, he tore his clothes. And so I did the same tonight. I actually can't, can't take credit for that joke. I, um, that was a good laugh, by the way. But um, I, I, I read this at the, at the, at the four o'clock and someone said, oh, I've got a joke for you. And they told me. So I owe a lot of credit to them right now. I took the risk and it worked very well. So back to that. The first thing he did, he tore his clothes. He, and, and in that, he took the word seriously. When he read it, he, he went, man, the word of God did, we need to follow this. We're not just reading this. And this means change. And this is gonna be hectic. And there is an unknown. So he took it very seriously. The second thing, he made a commitment to follow God. He decided he was gonna follow God. And that meant that the nation then followed God. And the last thing that that I read when, when I looked at this story is he got rid of anything that got in the way of himself and people following God. It says that he got rid of any detestable idols. And for us tonight, there are gonna be things, if we're being completely honest, that are getting in the way of us following Jesus. And and there's different ways that we can look at idols. And I I did a bit of reading on that to have a look at it. But I just wanna look at Hebrews and how it sort of describes it. I think it gives us a really good picture in Hebrews 12, one to two. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. I think the past is so important here is it talks about getting rid of things that are distracting us, but it's so that we can fix our eyes on Jesus. We're not getting rid of sin in our life just so then we can feel better about ourselves and go, great, I don't have this addiction anymore or amazing, I don't say that anymore for the sake of just feeling good. 
But these things, it's actually that we wanna get rid of them in our life so we are drawing closer to Jesus Christ. And because the Word of God is, is asking us to do that and we're deciding to do that because we are fixing our eyes on Jesus so as we look at these idols and, and Hebrew says that, you know, the sin that so easily entangles and it's saying, throw it off. So if we look at idols for ourselves in our world, you know, I, I did a fair bit of reading on it and, and it describes it in different ways. But one of the ways that it describes how we can identify an idol in our life is um, something that we would say is a great fear of ours. Something that we would say, oh, it would be the worst if this happened or a nightmare for you or something that is such a worry. A lot of the time that reveals what we are really focusing on. Maybe for you, it's like, oh man, imagine if I lost my friends. Imagine if I lost my job or it's this, it's this real fear. And a lot of the time that can actually really identify what we are fixing our eyes on. Tim Keller talks about it in, in four different sort of categories talks about security, comfort, acceptance, and power. And a lot of idols can come out of this longing that we have in these areas. But essentially, an idol is anything that's distracting us from Christ. Anything that maybe we love more than God. Or if we think it in a way, anything that's getting in between us and God, that, that is actually taking our eyes off Him. As I was preparing this word and, and really challenged by the fact that the word of God is the word of God. It's not, this story of a Josiah isn't some fairy tale that is supposed to pump us up as Christians. Like it happened. It is the truth. The word of God is true. So when I read that, I, I was challenged and I thought, well, if I'm sharing this word, God, what idols do I have in my life? What are things that in my life that are actually distracting me and that I'm taking my eyes off you. And, and I wanna let you know that, which, which many of you know that Jesus, he's our savior and, and we have a personal relationship with him. So there will be things in your life that he will identify for you that might be different to me. So as I share these things, this might necessarily not be the same for you, but I just wanna share what Jesus laid on my heart just this week. And as I was praying about it, I really felt God say for me, something that was distracting and I could say, oh no, it's not really that bad and go on like that. But God revealed it and it was the truth and I had to be obedient to that. And the two things that I really felt God highlight for me was sport and food. And it sounds funny, it does. And it might sound over the top or radical, but that when I actually sat in that for a little bit, I went, man, I actually look to these things for comfort, for pleasure, for joy and satisfaction. If I'm being completely honest, I do. And especially when I looked at food and I read the Word of God and the Word of God says that Jesus declared, I'm the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. What that's actually revealing is that we have a deep hunger and spiritual thirst. We have these great spiritual hungers and thirsts which only can be satisfied by Jesus. But a lot of the time what we do is we actually try to satisfy those hungers with physical food. And yes, physical food and water have, you know, are important, but I think we actually, well, for me personally, can look at these things for that deeper hunger that is a spiritual hunger that cannot be satisfied by physical food. 
And as I thought about food for myself, and I'm not saying that I'm proud about it, but I can honestly say it has been an idol in my life for a very long time. And as I reflected and thought about things, I thought, oh man, it, it, it has been there. I thought back to primary school years and, and, and early high school, and I think about in uh, pizza parties that we would have at school. And like, I should just be thankful that the school were ordering in pizza, but it was crazy how my mass wasn't great in mass class, but boy, was it incredible when the pizza arrived. I would so quickly be able to figure out the number of boxes of pizza, times it by eight, and then quickly divide it by the people in the room. And I would know exactly how many pieces people should have. And it's crazy that in this time where it's a beautiful celebration, a pizza party, I was sitting there very close to the boxes and I would let someone know, oh, so how many pieces have you had? (laughs) You know, I tried to be funny about it, but I was inside thinking, I'm pretty sure this is your fourth piece. (laughs) And from my allocations, we can only have three each. And if you've had four, that means I might might only be able to have two. And it's crazy that in those times, like I say it as a joke, but my whole mind was occupied by how many pieces of pizza I could have and to make sure no one else had more than their quota. And as I thought about it more, I thought about another time that I was at home and um, we had this rule at home, which is quite silly, that if you go to get a drink or food, you have to offer it to everyone in the family first. It's actually a great rule, but um, not when there's only one thing left. And I remember this one time I got home from school and I really wanted a muffin. Mum makes these amazing um, raspberry and white chocolate muffins. Um, and, you know, sometimes it's slightly melted, so it's, it's very nice. And there was only one left. And I quickly looked around and my brother was there, mum and dad were there, and I thought, well, if I offer it, they'll probably want it. So I can't offer it because I want it. So I went, I grabbed it, and as I went to eat it, of course my brother was watching and he said, oh, great, I'll have one too. And I said, oh, there's not another one left. He said, great, we'll just cut it in half and have halves. And in that time, I thought, no, not a chance. (laughs) So I went to eat it and he said, no, and he took a bite. And as he took a bite, I'm not proud of it, but I did one of the best fly kicks that I've ever done. (laughs) And I actually kicked him so hard in the leg. And my dad was there in the kitchen and he looked at me and he said, "I, I hope, I hope you are joking right now. And in that moment, I ate the rest of the muffin and I never felt more guilty. (laughs) But like I I say that in a lighthearted way, but if I then actually reflect on my life right now and think about even my relationship with food now and coffee, it's actually crazy the reliance that I can have on it. Like for me personally, the fact that if I'm tired, if I'm stressed, if I'm worried, if I'm all these things that I go, I need a coffee. And I I truly believe that is what I need right now. I need a coffee. And I know that that sounds radical and it might sound over the top, but Jesus revealed to me this week of, Tyrone, in that time, I want you to cast your worries on me. Like that coffee is gonna do nothing. And I, I encourage you tonight that, to ask Jesus, what, what are things that I'm actually taking my eyes off you and I'm looking to other things? And the beautiful part is God will reveal those things to you. But then we need to be obedient to that and we need to listen. 
And it's so important too that in this, it's, it's not the fact of, you know, for me to not drink coffee so then I can say, oh, awesome, I don't drink coffee anymore. And then feel great. Oh, I feel awesome now. I don't drink coffee. It's this deeper thing, whatever it is. And, it, and that's the thing. It could be so random. But the Word of God is to point us to Jesus Christ and for us to know Him and to love Him with all our heart, our mind, and our soul. And as we're praying about these things, um, I've experienced and even sharing with other people in the faith that you know, when, when we're choosing to be obedient to God, you know, there are times where He will reveal things that seem super unexpected. But I just want to read to you Proverbs 3, 5 to 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to Him and He will make your path straight. There are some things that God calls us and... Well, you can't look around and think, yeah, but no one else is doing that or this seems radical or this seems, that's leaning on our own understanding. If Jesus has called us to something, we need to be obedient. And I wanna share too, just for some people tonight that maybe God, you've really felt God's laid something on your heart and you have repented in that and you have said, yeah, God, I, I do wanna have a way with that. He has shown you, he has shown you that idol in your life. But you, you are struggling in that because you truly have repented. And if you could ask, if you could have it that you never sinned in that area again, that that would be, that's exactly what you would want. But you, you just keep struggling in this. I just wanna share with you right now, Romans 7 and Romans 8. And Romans 7 is talking about the life in the flesh and Romans 8 talking about the life in the spirit. And I want us to be so reminded of the power of the Holy Spirit. In Romans 7, it says, So I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law, but I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? That's that line there, what a wretched man I am. And I want to say that, you know, I, I experienced that, I've experienced that, and, and maybe for you that is, when we draw closer to Christ, we realize how sinful we are. We realize, and, and there is that thing of, oh my goodness, like this sin is disgusting, or this sin is actually so dark. But I want to keep reading. Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. We have to keep looking back at Jesus. But he still goes on to share the struggle. So then I myself in my mind am a slave to God's law, but in my sinful nature, a slave to the law of sin. He talks about this battle. But then I wanna look at Romans 8 now, the life in the Spirit, the life in the Holy Spirit. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so He condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us who did not live according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Those who live according to the flesh have minds set on what the flesh desires, but those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, 
but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. And I think you sort of read that in Romans 7 where he's talking about like so aware, Paul's talking about so aware of the weight of sin. And that you hear it in him, that repentant heart to say, turning away from that. But then he talks about that struggle, but then he says that thanks be to God for Jesus Christ. And that needs to be our life. And, and I wanna encourage us too that our life is not sin management. Our life isn't just focusing on our sin and thinking, okay, I didn't sin then, but I did sin then, but I did sin. And it's just going back and forth. Our, what God has called us to is to focus on Jesus and to focus on Jesus. And, and when we focus on Jesus, don't worry, sin will be removed. And when we focus and draw closer to Him, things will be taken off, things that are entangling us. But our life isn't to focus on sin because that is a very sad state to be in. But there is joy in our salvation and that is keeping our eyes on Jesus Christ. Not ourself, not our sin, but Jesus. And I wanna read to you, um, if you haven't done it, there's definitely still jump on it. There's a devotional that we're reading at the moment as we're doing the 21 days of um, prayer for revival. And there's, you can get it on the Bible app. If you've got the app, you can find it in the plans there or you can find it on the website. Um, and it's really cool. It's, it's awesome doing a devotion together where as a community of believers, we can encourage each other, we can share each other, share things with each other. But on one of the days, um, it talks about revival and it says, appreciating the love of Jesus is vital in revival. If we are not saturated with God's love, revival quickly becomes another set of rules that we have to keep to ensure that we maintain God's approval and blessing. Revival can become a legalistic prison for us as we try to avoid sin and do right. But when revival is drenched in God's love and grace, it becomes an exciting journey with Jesus as we see the kingdom of heaven on the move in and through us. The focus and the main point that I got from this is we need to appreciate Jesus' love for us and that allows following Him to be an exciting process. Not easy, not perfect, but exciting as we follow our Saviour. As I said before, it is a beautiful relationship that we're following Jesus. We're not reading this instructional manual and just trying to, to just follow it. We're following a person and that person is Jesus Christ, our Saviour. I want us to just look at the story of Zacchaeus, an amazing story of a man who encountered Jesus and just how quickly his life changed in a moment. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. I, I relate to that man. <laughs> so he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree to see him. Since Jesus was coming that way, when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, Come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to be a guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give half my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. 
Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham for the son of man came to seek and save the lost. It's amazing. Zacchaeus saw Jesus. He was drawn to Jesus. Jesus met him and Jesus told him what to do. He said, we're having lunch together today. So Zacchaeus was obedient. He came down from the tree. He invited Jesus in. And in that moment, straight away, he knew what needed to happen. He knew the idols in his life. And he followed, action followed. He encountered Jesus. He heard Jesus. He heard the word and he followed. And as we read the New Testament, as we read the Gospels, there is some things that are radical. Jesus says in his word that we cannot love God and love money. That we are not to have a hint of lust that we need to forgive others and that we cannot worry about tomorrow. And in these things, this is a truth and we have to be obedient to this. But in the process, we need to trust Jesus as a pioneer and perfecter of our faith because these things are radical. These things are actually life-changing. And it's a lot easier to look at these things and say, that's too hard-hitting and then just move on with our day. But we need to come to Jesus and say, Jesus, I have no idea what it would look like to not worry about tomorrow. I have no clue what that would be like. I've never lived like that, but you are calling me into that. So I need you to show me what this looks like and I'm gonna follow you in it. The last thing that I wanted to share with us tonight, um, and, and it's not some cliche pump up, um, it, this is actually sharing from the Word of God, but it is, a, it is a real truth for us. It's when we look at the story of Josiah in Second Chronicles. And it says, Great is the Lord's anger that is poured out on us because those who have gone before us have not kept the Word of the Lord. They have not acted in accordance with all that is written in the book. The people before Josiah did not follow God. And I wanna ask us this question tonight. Will the generation behind us, will the people around us see the way that we are following the word of God and following Jesus? Will the people around us see that we are following Jesus? We're not just reading some book. We are following Jesus with all our heart, our mind and our soul. And will that encourage the generation behind us to in the same way follow Jesus? And as I invite the band back up, we're, we're gonna have a time of response tonight. And uh, what I have, it's, it's very simple. I just have the Word of God um, up on little pieces of paper. There's just three different scriptures, three different verses from the Bible. And... I honestly don't know what God um, might be speaking to you in some way, but I do know that He is calling you to the Word of God and He is calling you to follow Him. To follow Him with action. And for you to take your eyes off whatever is around you and to put your eyes on Him. So maybe in this response is for you to come and um, grab some verses and it is maybe for you, you don't actually read the Word of God. That, that hasn't been something that has been shown to you or taught to you. But tonight, God has spoken to you and said, I, I want you to read the Word so, so you can know more about me. 
the Word reveals who Jesus Christ is to us. Maybe that's for you, I really don't know. That's what the beautiful part is, Jesus speaks to us individually and we need to listen and we need to act. And um, we're gonna do anointing again tonight up the front. So feel free to come down the front if that is what God is calling you to do and get prayer. There'll be pastors down the front and you can get prayer tonight. But I encourage you, Josiah heard the Word of God and he followed the Word of God. And we had the same opportunity to know Jesus and to follow Jesus. Let me pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You for You, Jesus. You are the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. And I pray for anyone right now that is just focusing on their sin, that their life at the moment is just sin management. I pray that they would take their eyes off themselves, they would take their eyes off their sin and that they would put their eyes to You, Jesus. And that Your Word would reveal to us Jesus Christ, the Son of God. We thank You, Lord, that we can be here tonight. And I pray, Lord, I pray that as a church community that we would respond to You tonight. There might be things that You've been laying on our heart for a while now, and I pray that we would respond, that we would clear those idols in our life and that we would keep our eyes on You, Jesus. Thank You for who You are. In Your name we pray, amen. I encourage you to stand up on your feet and we're gonna worship together. And I do, I really encourage you to respond tonight. Let's stand.